I can teach you funnels and webinars and digital courses and email list growth all day long. But if you don't believe you deserve to be successful in your business, none of my strategies will work. So working on your mindset just as much as you work on the marketing and the offer in your business is essential. Welcome to an all new season of Off The Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Heidi. Today's exciting, huh? Yeah, so excited. It's our girl pal. So today we got Amy Porterfield for you guys. Amy, if you don't already know, she's a former corporate gal turned online marketing rock star. She's the ultimate guru when it comes to growing your online business with proven marketing strategies. So she is the brain behind amyporterfield.com, a platform where she helps entrepreneurs and small business owners build their empires using all things digital. She's the creator of the amazing online courses, excuse me, including Digital Course Academy, Systems at Scale, and List Builder Society that are chock full of valuable information and actionable tips. And I can tell you that personally because I participated in some of them and they are so incredible helpful. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Business Insider, and her lively and engaging personality just really shines through on her top-ranked podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy. I am personally a subscriber and listen to it weekly. She's also a best-selling author of her new book, Two Weeks Notice, which will take you from stuck to making strides in the direction of your dreams. If you follow Amy on social media, you may also notice that she's a regular within social circles of the world's most elite self-help coaches and trainers. People like Jay Shetty, Gabby Bernstein, Mel Robbins, everyone wants Amy at the table, including us, by the way. In fact, we were keen to have her at our table when we invited her to join us for our last Off the Gram Live in Nashville. She came, Heidi and I and Megan, and we all became fast friends, and she's been in our corner ever since. And we love her for that. She is one of the real ones. When they talk about real queens who fix each other's crowns, they're talking about Amy. She's become a ride or die OTG pal, and we just adore her, and we're so happy to bring her brilliance to you today to talk about business building, burnout, and being a badass, best-selling author. Listen to this show if you're a boss babe who could use some insight on managing burnout, gaining professional confidence, and conquering self-sabotaging fear. You're looking for practical tips and mindset shifts on creating financial freedom, flexibility, and impact. Or you'd like tips and tricks on how to grow your business online from the master herself. Awesome. Amy, we're so glad to have you. Welcome. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I mean, we obviously fell in love with you when you came to our Off the Gram Live event in Nashville. So fun. I mean, I've personally been a full-on Amy P. stan ever since. I've come to some of your, like, masterminds. I came to your subscribed bootcamp. I had it on in the background. I was just, I love what you're up to. I love listening to you. You've been so kind and generous with your time and your information. So I just admire and appreciate what you teach. And I know you have so much to offer to our listeners. So I want to start, actually, before we dive into everything. I want to start someplace really real. I saw a recent post on your Instagram a couple of weeks ago. You had an IV in your arm and you really mentioned your personal struggle with burnout. Yeah. And I know Heidi and I have been there and burnout is real. It is something so many of our listeners can relate to, especially in this fast paced world of solopreneurship and online marketing and what we're all trying to do sometimes in a vacuum. So since you're a guru in this space, but also probably an expert in burnout, because we've all been there, can we start there? Because I mean, this pop, this podcast is fundamentally about wellness, and I got to imagine that there's a lot of women out there who can really relate to that. 
Yes. So I really do look at burnout as sometimes it's a season that you're in. So I've been an entrepreneur for 14 years and I know that I've had seasons of burnout and I know that in the future there will likely be more. Now I can get better and better at uh, seeing that they're coming to hopefully do things so that they're not so bad. And I could also navigate through it a whole lot better now than I did, let's say 10 years ago. But I don't think I'm ever going to be rid of any burnout whatsoever because I'm an achiever. I want to go for it. I want to hit it hard. And what happened with this last season of burnout that I'm literally, oh my God, I can't get the word out, literally going through right now. I think I'm coming out the back end. I usually don't talk about things until I kind of have a a hold of them. And so I'm coming off the back end and it was from my book launch. So Mm -hmm. for five months, I launched a book. I had never launched a book before. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was going to come out of my skin a million different times. And I really, really pushed hard. I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all out. I probably pushed a little bit too hard. I probably put really big expectations on myself that I need to reevaluate. Let's say if I ever do this again right now, I don't know if I'd ever launch a book again. It was so (laughs) crazy difficult, but that's where it came from. And I, this time, I gave myself some grace. Like, of course you're feeling this way. Of course it's going to come out this way because you hit it so hard. What can we do to get you back to normal as soon as possible? So that's kind of what I've been going through. Yeah. Go big or go home. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, how I live. Yeah. We watched Megan go through her book launch, you know, and it took everything out of her. But like, as it does, and you kind of, you're kind of like, well, that's what's going to happen. My soul will leave my body, but eventually it will return. (laughs) Right? It's true. Yes. And I guess you just have to decide, are you willing to go through these highs and lows? And I think building a business or just being in a nine to five job and giving it your all and raising families and all of that, we're going to have those highs and lows. And I feel like that's just the name of the game, but I love that your podcast is about wellness because there's absolutely some things I should and could have done during that book launch to take better care of myself. So maybe the burnout, I think it would have always been there. I would have been exhausted at the end of this, but maybe it wouldn't have hit me so hard. It's, it's kind of, you're, you know, really reminding me of how everybody speaks about birth, like pregnancy as a marathon. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I feel like Megan would always talk about her book launch as birthing. Yes. It's like a pregnancy and you're birthing it and then it comes out and you have to nurture it and you have to let it grow and all the things, you know? But I feel like that's similar for so many things. Like anyone listening should be able to relate to this, right? Like whether it's a child, whether it's a book, whether it's launching a business, as you just mentioned again, or, you know, a just a giant work project that you know is gonna it's a marathon so what you did tease that there were things you could have done you think do you care to share it yes you definitely and if you girls have some things to add to that so the next time i go through something like this i i could do an even better job i think number one i should have had more time for rest and relaxation. And what I mean by that is I work a four day work week and my entire team does, we have for two years, but that started to fall out pretty quickly for me specifically when I was in the book launch. So now I was losing my Fridays, which I usually had. So the rest and relaxation recalibration went out the door. 
And then I could see the work kind of sliding into the weekend. I wouldn't do that again. I would have been more regimented with the schedule I had been keeping for years. And I think when it's something new, you think you have to do everything and anything. I think I would have changed that mindset as well, knowing that is not necessarily true. And so what would give me the biggest bang for my buck and what could I maybe not be doing? I wish I would have taken some more time to evaluate that. And also I wasn't moving my body as much. So I tried to do weights three times a week and walk three times a week and I have to schedule and that kind of got thrown out the door. So it's funny how my habits were like, poof, gone the minute the heat started to really rise. And if I were to do it all over again, I would have said, I'm going to keep all of my healthy habits first and then work this book launch into that. I have a really good friend who absolutely did that during her book launch and I watched her do that and she did incredible things. For some reason, I just, I didn't do it that way. So it's keeping those ha healthy habits, actually making time for the rest in relaxation, and then looking at what really needs to get done and what could come off my list. I needed to be more uh, realistic than act desperate like I needed to do it all. Yeah, great advice. That's all absolutely beautiful advice that all of us can take home. And I think the beautiful part about it is you've already had the self-reflection. So, you know, you're still in it and all that, but you can take it. You've obviously learned from it and you can then apply it should you ever choose to do that again or when an, when a situation is similar next time? Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful thing. What an incredible learning, right? So many learnings. Yeah. So, okay. I want to backpedal. Okay. <laughs> so you started as a corporate girl, yes. right? Prior to building the empire you have today, same as Jame, who often credits her background in a corporate world as a fundamental building block to her success today. So can you share how your background in the corporate world has influenced your approach to entrepreneurship? Do you think women should start in the corporate world or can they approach entrepreneurship from scratch and learn along the way? Ooh, I haven't really been asked that question a lot on my whole book launch journey. So I love that second question and I'll definitely get to it. So yes, I work for peak performance coach, Tony Robbins for almost seven years. And I was the director of content development. And before that I worked for Harley Davidson. Before that I was in publishing and sales. So I've had a lot of different Wait, jobs. when were you in Harley Davidson? I, isn't that bizarre? That's I cool. did marketing. So I, I want to know when, cause I was in Harley Davidson's commercial. Okay. I was there during their hundredth anniversary. So it probably was 14, 15. Oh, okay. It was before that that I did okay. it. Yeah. So it was a while ago. I was, I was, had been a Mine long would time. have been like 11, 12. Okay. I love that you were a biker babe in their commercial. I was on the back. Okay. And I, I ripped off this. the helmet and swirled my hair. And yes, you did. Yes, you did. Okay. Love that. Sorry. Keep going. Oh my gosh. Too cross paths. So I, I've had a lot of jobs and yes, I really do believe that my experience working in the corporate world has lent itself to my entrepreneurship. I think that I am a better leader just because I've had a lot of experience and doing a lot of different things. But more importantly, I think I have more compassion for my team members. 
I know what it's like to be in an employee. I know what was good about it and what I hated about it. So as I built a business now with 20 full-time employees all across the US, I don't want it to feel like a corporate environment. There's a reason we have a four-day work week. There's a reason we have unlimited time off. There's a reason why I give people money to get a life coach if they want it. I, I want to work for gig. you. Right? It's a, it's a good gig. I'm hiring my niece, and that's a whole other story. I promised her since the day she was born she could have a job, and now she's 21. And so... But I told her when I was explaining the job, I'm like, this is a really good place to work. You don't know that yet because you've never had a real job, but I'm telling you, it's a good place to work. All of these things are important to me because I've been in that corporate environment. Also, I really matured during those times. You know, I, I went through weird things where I should have been paid more and I wasn't and I had to negotiate for that or really hard people to work with, hard bosses to work with. All of that shaped me to who I am today. So yes, I wouldn't take any of that back. And working for Tony Robbins, learning how to be a leader and an entrepreneur, that was huge. Like I took in everything he taught, I really took to heart to bring it into my own business. However, do I think you need to work in corporate or have a lot of nine to five jobs before you become an entrepreneur? Absolutely not. I don't think it's a necessity. And I wish my son, who's graduating in about a year and a half of college, will get out of college and just become an entrepreneur. He won't. He's a rule follower. He's getting a nine to five job. I have no doubt in my mind, but I wish that he would do that because I think you can build wealth a whole lot faster. I think there's so much personal growth in entrepreneurship. So either path can lead you to something amazingly wonderful. There's no right or wrong, but for me, it worked out really well. I love that. Personally, I mean, you know, Heidi knows this. I talk all the time about how my what I would call like my institutional pedigree, having come from the walls of corporate. I was an agency girl. So I worked for PR agencies where you really learn to become a Swiss army knife, which did me a lot of good. And it was amazing. I worked almost two decades, 17 years in public relations. Wow. So grateful I did it. It definitely gave me the business acumen, but there was a glass ceiling over my head the whole time that I didn't even realize was there. I thought I was making more money than I could ever make in the world. I was like, oh my God, I been made six figures. That's wow. Go me. Yes. Who knew, right? That like when right. you take away that glass ceiling, but you have to be a risk taker and you have to be brave. Mm -hmm. And that is what you teach, Amy. So I want to talk a little bit about specifically what you teach because I've learned so much from you. I, like I just said, came from the agency background. I was a B2B girl and a brand centric girl and a media centric girl. I'd never had a B2C business. And if you're not like a business lingo person, that means a business to consumer business, right? I sell to consumers. I do coaching. I do all these things. I had never had a business like that. So I would go to somebody like Amy Borderfield, sign up for her course and say, because people are coming to me and they're like, great, what's your funnel strategy? What's your lead acquisition strategy? And I was like, I don't know what any of those words mean. Somebody help me. So if somebody is starting an online business, which so many people are these days, in your opinion, what would be maybe the the three most important components. Like if you're going to say, start with three things, like build out your social media or work on product development or make a cool website, what would it be? Oh, I love this question. So when you're first starting a business, there's a few things that we're going to kind of skip that I talk about in my book, Two Weeks Notice, that you can read about. But like, finding your why, why do you wanna do this? Why is it important to you? All those mindset things that are important before you start a business. But if we're talking about some strategies and tactics to get into, the first one is content creation. You have to be creating consistent content. And what I mean by that is I believe when you're starting an online business, you wanna either have a podcast, a blog, 
or a video show that you do every single week. My podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy, is literally the backbone of my business. I get new people into my world every single day because I have a podcast. And when you do it long enough and you have hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, people can come in at any given time and get amazing value. So having consistent content that is your message, your voice, your brand is so important. That means it's not enough just to post on social media every single day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking them off of social and you have a platform where you're delivering consistent content. So important. The second thing is you got to start an email list. Now, an email list is obviously names and emails that you can send out promotions and value on a consistent basis. There are many studies that have been done even recently where people prefer to read an email before they buy something versus social media. We're talking 60% of people surveyed with Optin Monster said, I want an email if you're going to sell me something and I want the details versus if I'm going to just see something on social media and buy it. Now, usually that probably means a couple hundred dollars worth of value you versus like a $20 cute top on Instagram, I'll buy it all day long, but something a little bit more serious like coaching, Jamie, I think that's what they're talking about in terms of email. So how do you get people on your email list? Well, that's where social media really does come in. So I think social media is necessary and important, but you want to move them off of social and onto your email list as soon as possible. That email list will make you money. And the biggest mistake that most people make when they're starting an online business is they do not grow an email list. They just put all their eggs in one basket and grow their social media. And then the algorithm changes and boom, their business has dramatically changed. I mean, if TikTok went away today, some people would lose massive amounts of money because they put so much into TikTok and not in their email list. You own that email list, social media is fickle. You need both, but the email list is the end all be all. So that's the second thing I'd focus on growing that email list as fast as humanly possible. And then the third one is get an offer up and running because action creates clarity. And that clarity is gonna lead you to what you ultimately might wanna do in your business. I don't know about you girls, but my first year in business, I tried a lot of different offers. Like the business I have today looks very different than like the first year, right? So you've got to try things. So putting together a very simple offer and putting it out into the world and seeing what people do with it and how they respond, so important. Plus, you got to make money fairly quickly in order to stay in the game. So that's why I think an offer is essential, even in the early, early stages. Such great advice. I love that. I, yeah. I think that there's been such a shift for people like since the pandemic when like everything went virtual and you know, and everybody was working from home and they were like, well, why can't, why can't I be an online entrepreneur? Like, why can't I start an online business? And, you know, it sort of like allowed that idea into people's heads of humans who may not have ever had that idea before, right? Because it almost felt like foreign and so far away and, well, okay, it's fine for them, but not for me kind of thing, right? So it's obvious, a lot of people have the desire, but it's also scary to leave a corporate job if you have health benefits and a salary and paid vacation. And, you know, I'm like, all the things I've literally never had in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't relate. So you were one that never had a nine to five job? I mean, for like 
six months. Wow. <laughs> it was like a hot second. Yeah. That's and, so cool. And I was like, yeah, not for me. <laughs> um, but you know, that was like in between acting and like, which so acting is not a nine to five. You're, you're your own boss already. You're an entrepreneur already. Cause you have to structure and do all the things for that. But for people who do have the nine to five and for me, it was leaving acting, right? Like that was my crutch, even though it didn't come with, I mean, yes, SAG has insurance, but like you have no guarantees and acting about your next job. It doesn't matter what your contract says. Like you can be axed tomorrow and everybody can lose their funding tomorrow. And you're up a creek with that, a log or paddle, whatever it is. So it's scary, right? It's scary to like let go. Have you ever heard, Jamie, I know I've said this before on the podcast, but I love it so much that like there's a storm, there's the boat capsizes, you see a log, you hold on to the log, it's what keeps you alive, and then you see the shore and there's a current. You can't make it to the shore with the log. So you have to let go of the log to get to the shore. And I kind of feel like that's what a lot of people's nine to five is, right? It's holding you back from like, the dreamland or the promised land or the life that you were meant to live and that you want to live, but it's so hard to let go of that thing that kept you safe for so long. So is there something you can share about timing or like readiness? What, what factors should somebody consider? What advice do you have for those who are hesitant to take the leap? Because your book, Two Weeks Notice, encourages readers to find the courage, and that's the best word ever for it, to quit their jobs and pursue their passion. So is there right time? Are there factors? Absolutely. I I tell the story to a lot of my students about my sister is a little bit older than me. So she's in her 40s and she still sleeps with her security blanket, her baby blanket that she literally came home from the hospital with. Now she's married. So this is really creepy, but she puts it under her pillow like every night. (laughs) It is still there. And I tell the story about you got to find a way to let go of that security blanket because we all have one. And those listening today, because my topic is leaving your job, most people I work with, their security blanket is their job. So you totally hit it on the head. It's a really big issue. So in my book, I lay out a runway of how to leave your job with full integrity and courage. I love that you brought that word up. We are not looking for confidence. Confidence comes from a proven track record of doing something over and over again and getting good results. We've never quit a really big, important job that pays the bills and gives us health insurance. So we're going to have to find courage, which is that leap of faith, not confidence. So if you're listening right now and you're waiting until you have enough confidence to leave your nine to five job, it's never coming. So I would rather you dig deep and look for that courage and look for other times that you've had to use courage to move forward as proof that you can do this. But another thing that does give you a more solid footing when you do leave is to put together a runway. So in the book, I outline what a runway would look like to leave your nine to five job, but I'm gonna give you some pointers as to what goes into that. The first one is what I talked about earlier. You've gotta get clear on your why. Why do you want to be your own boss? Why do you wanna go out on your own? Why do you wanna call the shots? Because there's a lot of risk and it's really scary. So why is it that you want to do this? For me, I no longer wanted to be told what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. I did not want a boss. I wanted freedom. Also, like Jamie mentioned, I had hit a glass ceiling. I knew there was only so much money I could make, and I knew I was capable of making more. So my why was I wanted to be my own boss. And so on the days that my worries would knock me down, can I really leave? What about my health insurance? What if this doesn't work? Knock down, my why would pick me back up. So it has to be compelling enough to outrun the fear. So that's the first thing. 
The second thing is you've got to look at your exit date. You've got to figure out when am I going to leave? Because without a date that you schedule and write down, you will never leave. And so for me, at the time that I decided I'm officially leaving, I gave myself six months, wrote it on a post-it note, put it on a mirror where I got ready every morning. And I asked myself, what do I need to do today to move me closer to that date? Because come hell or high water, I am leaving this job on that date. So it might meant that I needed to call a friend and ask for a favor or do some research or buy a digital course or listen to a podcast or read a book about building a business or whatever it might be. But I had to every day act as if that date is happening no matter what. So that was a big part of my runway. Once I had the date, I had to look at my finances. We can't ignore that you're leaving behind a regular paycheck. And so I had to look at how much do I actually need to make every single month to cover the bills. Now, you need some wiggle room. So that means once you leave your job, you're not getting new wood floors. You're not buying a house or buying a car or going on vacation. You're going to be scrappy for at least that first year. You have to make some sacrifices there. I don't know any entrepreneur who hasn't. So if we really, really tighten up the purse strings and ask ourselves, how much do I actually need to make? Get that number together. And then from there, I think you should start a side hustle. So whatever it is you might want to do, you don't probably have it all figured out, start something so you could bring in a little extra money before you take the leap. It does two things. Number one, it helps you have a little nest egg before you leave. I had like a few thousand dollars in the bank when I left. And then it also kind of gets you going in the right direction. Now, it's not going to be your end all be all. It's not the ultimate business you're building as a side hustle. For me, I did a little coaching, consulting on the side about social media. I don't do anything like that today, but it was enough to kind of get the ball rolling. So that will help immensely. So these are just a few things. I go into much more detail in two weeks notice, but to get a runway. So the day I left my job, I did have a lot of courage and I also had some solid grounding. I didn't have confidence, but some solid ground to say, I've done the things I need to do to leave with integrity and to leave knowing I've got some things in place to bring in some money. Such great advice. So in the book, you also talk about navigating some of those common traps, like the Mm -hmm. self-sabotage. I mean, you just talked about it. Like, it's funny because you talk about self-sabotage and superwoman syndrome. And Heidi and I talk about this all the time. Heidi, I know your ears will perk up. Somebody (laughs) who takes, who often takes on too much. I mean, I was just talking about taking on too much when we got on this call. Heidi and I were like, I'm so tired. (laughs) So like, Amy, give us some insights. How do you manage these challenges and what tips do you have for people experiencing this, both lack of confidence and then also the flip side of that, like taking on all the things? Yes. So taking on all the things, we call that superwoman syndrome in the book, where you think like you have to do it all. And the truth is you can absolutely not do it all. So when you actually leave your nine to five job and go out on your own, I'm guessing a lot of people have a family. You might even have kids. You have to take care of your parents or whatever it might be. It's not like our lives stop and allow us just to create this thriving business. And that's the only thing we're focusing on. So you have to take baby baby steps. And so sure, you want to do 20 different things, let's say to build this business, but you can't. And you also in the beginning likely cannot afford even a virtual assistant. So that is the first hire I want people to focus on when they go out on their own. When you start making a little money, I want you to reinvest that into, let's say a five hour a week virtual assistant. That's what I did. Her name was Rebecca. I paid her 20 bucks an hour, but I only could afford five hours a week. And she kind of started to grow my business with me. And she was a 
lifesaver. But in that first year, I did it all myself, but you can't do everything. So my suggestion is keep it simple, get fancy later. So you have one offer or maybe you have one offer and let's say you become an affiliate for a product program service that you can also promote to bring in some extra money. Maybe you do start doing some TikToks to make some little extra money with TikTok, but also your one offer and a little bit of affiliate marketing, whatever it might be. You can only have a little chunk of that in the beginning because you cannot do it all. But what you can do is start documenting, journaling, writing down your big goals, your big vision to work toward. The minute you start making money, I want you to reinvest in someone that will help you. That will help that superwoman syndrome because you cannot do it all. They, I think they say you can do everything, but you can't do it all at once or you can have yes. everything or something. Jack that's, of all trades, master of none. <laughs> yes, that's like the, the sentiment here. That's important. Yeah. But the other one, you said superwoman syndrome and you, oh, self-sabotage. Self this one comes up a lot. And the reason why we self-sabotage, and like, I'll give you an example. You go out on your own, something starts working just a little bit. Then you take on a hundred other things and it all falls apart. And that is something I see over and over again with the female entrepreneurs that I work with, especially. And I think it happens because we don't believe we deserve the success that we're going to get. I really do that feeling of not enough comes up in so many of the conversations I have with the entrepreneurs that I work with. And so remember I said earlier that one of the best things about being an entrepreneur is the personal growth. I can't even believe how much work I've had to do on myself to be a successful entrepreneur. I think as you are in your nine to five job, one of the best things you can do right now is fuel your mind with the right kind of content to give you that belief that you do deserve to be successful. So it's listening to podcasts and it's reading books that will inspire you to have a stronger mindset and be more resilient because when you go out on your own, that is going to help immensely. When I work for Tony Robbins, he used to say 80% of the success of being an entrepreneur is your mindset. 20% is the mechanics. I can teach you funnels and webinars and digital courses and email list growth all day long. But if you don't believe you deserve to be successful in your business, none of my strategies will work. So working on your mindset just as much as you work on the marketing and the offer in your business is essential. That's Amazing. And I found myself like not breathing when you were talking. <laughs> like I was paying so much attention. I was like, oh, take a breath. Heidi. I love it. <laughs> so, so focused on you. I want to just circle back on one thing you mentioned when you were talking about superwoman syndrome, but I didn't want to break your flow. Um, you mentioned a virtual assistant. And I have to say, like, I can remember like back in 2010, people being like, you need a VA. And I'm like, what the heck I know. is a VA? Yeah. And also when, I think it was like Jessica Ortner was one of the first people that we interviewed. We interviewed her on our show. They do the tapping solution, um, her and her brothers. Oh, that's and so funny. I was just talking to Alex on a voice text. I was like, I wonder oh, if Ortner? it's his wife. Is yeah. it his wife or his sister-in-law? Karen is his wife. Okay. They're such, they all live in Connecticut, which is where I am now. Oh, they're okay. so, they're just such a beautiful family. Karen is his wife. Brenna is Nick's wife. So I don't know Got if you were talking okay. about them. Jessica's the sister. Got it. But anyway, she was like, you need a VA, you need a VA. And I'm like, you have like a whole company, like, <laughs> you know, I'm just me. And then like all these other people kept saying it. And I finally, I think it was actually another one of our guests, Terry Cole convinced me to hire one. And it was actually a disaster because... Like I tasked them with some things and they said they could do it and they couldn't. 
And it was like, it was like, I felt like, I felt like they were creating these like dear sir, madam emails instead of like using my voice. And like, even though I gave them like all these, like I did what everybody said to like put together, you know, all the tasks, all the things, like have it all written down and, you know, have the voice, have the character, have all those things. So number one, can you tell our listeners, please, what is a VA or virtual assistant? And two, what did you have them do? Okay. Great question. I love that you said like at the beginning, like what's a VA? I try to stay away from all the acronyms because I work with people that are brand new to entrepreneurship and you don't know what you don't know. And it can be so intimidating. When people get into my courses, we give them a glossary of all these random terms that we're going to use that no one teaches you in school. And then you feel less than, you feel like you aren't good enough when you can't keep up. So I love that you said virtual assistant, because I try to do that as well. And a virtual assistant is somebody who is going to assist you in your business around things like customer service, maybe social media, your calendar. That's another big one. So to answer your question, what do I have my assistant do and what well, I'll tell you what I had my assistant do when I was very new. It's very different now, but I'll, I'll share a little bit now. It was those things. She managed my calendar. She managed my personal email account and she managed customer support. And then she edited all my blogs. At the time I blogged and I was terrible with typos. That's literally how she found me. She was one of those pesky people that wrote in saying, you've got a lot of typos in your blog. And I'm like, you mind your business. Um, but she was so sweet how she did it that I thought, and she's like, I'd be happy to edit just for free a few of your blogs. And then I started to really love her and she came into the fold. So I had her edit a lot as well. That's essentially what she did for probably the first year. Just those things that would keep me away from staying. This is the key, staying in my zone of genius. So there's a book called Full Focus. Is that, no, is that the name of the book? Michael Hyatt's book, um, Free to Focus. Free to Focus is the name of his book. And they talk about staying in your zone of genius. So once you figure out, and the book helps you figure out where you do your best work, everything else should be delegated when you have the money to do so. And so that's why I gave those things to my assistant. I'm not really good with the details, and she was. Now, fast forward 14 years later, and my I have an executive assistant that works with me only, and then the team has other support. And she, more than anything, manages my calendar. She does a lot of things for me, but she manages my calendar to the point that I don't even put something on my calendar unless it goes through her. That, and this is the coolest thing ever. This is something to strive for when you've been in business for a while. I'll start my day and everything that's on my calendar is in a project management tool. So let's say I have 10 things to do today. She has them scheduled when I'm doing them, but those 10 things are in a project management tool with details and deadlines so I can communicate with her there. The reason why that's important is a lot of times we'll create a big to-do list for the day. We might even use a project management tool and we put all our to-dos in there. But then at the end of the day, we still have like 20 left. And the reason for that is they weren't scheduled. There was no time. There was no way you were going to get all that done because you didn't schedule them in a calendar. So my EA, executive assistant, so it's like up a notch from a virtual assistant, everything's scheduled and everything's planned in a planning system. And that has changed my life. But that has taken years and years <laughs> to get to. So you, there's something to aspire to for those listening that are brand new, but it's not going to happen in the beginning. I love that. And I would love to like keep asking you questions about how you let somebody else handle your personal email, but I think that's like a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So I 
to stay on the topic of time because we're talking about your calendar and scheduling. And your book emphasizes the need to avoid trading time for money. Yes. And that's amazing. I am a huge fan of boundary setting and managing my priorities. It has taken me decades to get to where I am today. It's been like a Herculean feet up a hill with a boulder, all the things. Amen. Um, So can you share some insights and how you approach this in your own business to create more freedom and flexibility in your lifestyle? I mean, you have a four-day work week. Yes. Help us out. (laughs) Yes. So you're saying how I've created boundaries? Mm -hmm. For your time. And with my time. Okay. I'm like you. It took me a long, long time. And I think it's because I didn't prioritize it. I... You know, when you're starting a business, there is a desperation. I've studied this for so long for so many new entrepreneurs, and I know myself well. There's this little desperation of this has to work, especially if you leave your nine to five job. You think like everyone's looking, what will this mean if it doesn't work out? So we almost kill ourselves to try to get to what we need to get to. And boundaries and time management go out the door. Whereas I try to teach my brand new entrepreneurial students, let's make that a priority from day one. And what I mean by that is, what are your non-negotiables? I talk about this in the book. So non-negotiables would be, okay, I'm not going to work past 6 p.m. Or I am not working Saturday and Sunday. Just It's not even going to be a thing because once you allow it to happen, it becomes a habit. It becomes how you do work. I worked every single weekend in the beginning years. It's just what I did. But I could have gotten to the success I have today without doing that if I managed my time better. And so putting together non-negotiables, setting them as early as possible. That's why I talk about them in my book for my new entrepreneurs and really communicating those with your family and friends so they are well aware and can keep you accountable is everything. The other thing is we are not creating businesses and becoming our own boss to work our lives away. We want freedom. Like most entrepreneurs want more freedom. We want to work when we want, where we want, how we want. That means we don't, if we don't want to work, we do not work. If we need to take off a week, God forbid something happens. My mother-in-law died during my book launch. It was very unexpected, very, very sad. But, and I, I say that just not to bring down the whole podcast, but to say I took a whole week off out of nowhere because of course, it's my mother-in-law. I loved her dearly. And my husband was a disaster. And so you can't always do that in a nine to five job, or at least not creating a lot of chaos when you do. We have to remember why we're entrepreneurs for the freedom. Maybe that's not the only reason, but it's a huge one. So do not build a business that literally you become a slave to. You have to build a business where you have a business and a life by your own design that you love. And that I think is why I'm so passionate about teaching people how to become entrepreneurs because we do get to create a life by our own design. But if you don't have boundaries, that is not going to happen. I love that answer. Um, and I keep putting myself on mute because if you guys were here in my uh, little home studio, you would see a tractor. Oh, here it comes going back and forth <sighs> by my window because I am putting in a, a little dream backyard because Fun. this year, I decided to prioritize myself, my home, my time, my family, and experiences. Yes. And last year, I was- And as someone who knows Jamie intimately, like I'm seeing it firsthand and it's so inspiring and amazing. Okay. 
I this mean, makes me happy. Heidi knows, you know, I am that person. I work till two in the morning. I work on weekends. And there is something, and I talk about this all the time, so I'm a broken record, but I'll tell you, Amy, I came from this New York City mentality of the hustle culture in the 90s where the person who sent the latest email is the winner. And yes. I was waiting for my medal. I was like, where's my trophy? Yes. And my trophy was a bad case of burnout. And, you know, kids who were like a little disappointed that mom wasn't, mom was there, but her head was in her phone, right? And so this year I just said, you know, you can't take it with you. No one ever saw a U-Haul following a hearse. You gotta just enjoy it while you have it. And so I didn't work this hard to not make a family backyard oasis that we can actually enjoy our backyard or to not go on that actual vacation that's not just a, a work trip. So I've yes. been prioritizing that this year and it's been by watching you know, entrepreneurs who I adore and look up to like you and other people in my life who I really, you know, this is why social media can be good. We all talk about how bad it can be. It can True. be so good and <laughs> inspirational and aspirational. So I appreciate that reminder and that gentle reminder to set those boundaries and just to really prioritize what matters because it can all be gone tomorrow. We all know this, right? Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. I want to just take like a, a quick shift because, you know, Heidi and I talk about this one a lot and I was just sharing about this. I spoke of Create and Cultivate and one of the biggest questions I was getting out at South by Southwest from all of these up and coming solopreneur women, these boss babe young gals who were like amazing and they were all asking the same question. I, I struggle with the fear of putting myself out there. I, I share and then I'm worried that people are going to judge me or I feel cringy or whatever. And we talk about this all the time on this podcast. So I'm curious how you, or if you had to personally overcome this fear and how, what advice you give to others about kind of shifting that mindset or even just your daily habits to just kind of push past fear. Our friend of the show, um, Judy Holler, she calls them experiments. She makes herself do three experiments a day. So something that scares her and it might just be posting on social media. So do you have any tips or tricks to get around that? Yes. So I absolutely struggled with this. I was so afraid. What would people say about me? What would they think about me when I start putting myself out there? I was so crazy about it that I was afraid. What is Tony Robbins going to think when he sees my videos online and I'm teaching stuff that he's like, what is she doing? She doesn't know enough. And then my sweet husband's <laughs> like, babe, I love you. And, and I want to support you. But Tony Robbins is not caring about your videos. And, oh. and he's right. I mean, Tony's building an empire. The last thing he cares about is the little videos I put on social media. But that goes with everybody. First, I remind myself, and I, I reminded myself back then, and I re remind my students now, you care more than they do. They are not watching everything you do. We think they are, and everybody, our high school ex-boyfriends, uh, <laughs> our friends from college, and people in our community, they're not watching at the level we think they are. So you got to take some pressure off right now. The other thing is anyone who's saying anything negative about you is envious that you're going after something they are not. And I really believe this. No one more successful than you is going to leave a snarky comment about something you've done online. Like when I look at my students, I and I know I'm farther along with, than them, I would never in a million years say anything negative about what they're doing unless they were hurting other people, but that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about putting yourself out there. So remember, consider the source. My mom always used to say that when I got my feelings hurt by someone, consider the source. They're not worth your heartache at all. So that's something that we just need to remember, but easier said than done. So a few tips and techniques that I've used along the way. Number one is I did an experiment just like you were saying before. I wanted to do more video. 
I've always been self-conscious of my weight. My weight's been up. It's been down since I've been very, very young. So I did not do video for years and years and years in my business because I was afraid people would think I was overweight. Then in my mind, I'm like, then they won't buy from me, which is so wild and ridiculous, I know, but this is kind of what I was thinking for so long. And then finally I said, this business is not going to work if I don't get myself out there. Video especially is essential. So I did an experiment on Instagram stories. Stories go away in 24 hours. So if you hate them, they're not gonna last anyway. And you can do images and video and all the different stuff. 30 days in a row, I had to show up on Instagram stories and show my face and do video 30 days in a row. And I didn't hit the 30 days. I think I hit like 21 days. However, it shifted something for me. It's that habit of showing up. It's getting out of my comfort zone. And that was really, really big for me. Also, I started to do more video in private Facebook groups around people, either people in my community, my students, my peers, that were gonna be nicer to me than strangers on the internet. And that's where I started to do more video as well. But here's the thing. You really, truly do have to show your face. I get people saying, Amy, do I need to use video to grow my business or can I not be on social media? And I have to say, no, you're, you're going to have to be on social media. You're <laughs> going to have to show your face. But the last thing I'll say to that is I was complaining about my appearance to somebody uh, before I went on stage. And I said, I'm very self-conscious because of how I look and I'm my weight and all of that. And it was a man actually, which is too funny, that said to me, there are women out there in that audience that need to see themselves in you that also don't feel good enough to step on stage, but they absolutely should be. You need to inspire other women to do it no matter what. And so he said, stop making it about you and start making it about the women in the audience that need you. And the minute I stopped worrying about everything about me and made it about them, I started showing up more. And so I think that was a really great lesson I learned. I, I just literally can't, can't think, think of a, a better, better place to wrap than that because <laughs> that is what everybody out there needs to remember. When you go into business with a service-minded heart, that will always be stickier and, yes. and something that's going to actually be of impact and of service versus going into it out of a, a place of fear and, and, and self-doubt. We adore you, Amy. We love you so much. We have love one you. final segment that we always do, okay. which is called Karma Call. Oh, yeah. I like this one. I know this one. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Well, then you obviously know that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action. Big result. I think that for the next seven days, I want your audience to journal for 10 minutes. Seven days, 10 minute journaling, and write down what do you want? Because if you're thinking about leaving your nine to five job and becoming an entrepreneur, why do you want it? What do you want? What do you want your life to look like? We don't ask ourselves enough what we want in order to get clear about where we're going. So 10 minutes of journaling, seven days, what do you want? It could change your life. I love it. Love Thank it. You so love much. you. Hey, could you tell our listeners where they can find you online and where they can find your book? 
Yes, thanks so much for asking. So I'm just at Amy Porterfield on Instagram. That's where I do most of my uh, back and forth with my audience and get to connect with you. I've got a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. And my book is Two Weeks Notice and you can find it anywhere where you get books online. So thanks ladies for asking me. You know I adore you. We had so much fun in Nashville. I'm so excited to see you continuing to do those events. Anyone who's listening that ever thought about going to one of your events, go. We had the <laughs> best time. And I just can't wait to see the, the more things that you do online. So thanks so much for, for inviting me here. We adore you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all at home for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>